So it's been three weeks, I guess, since we started um, this online worship. And um, it's been three weeks since, you know, we were, we were participating in worship, um, you know, in our homes. Um, and so what I've been noticing for the last three weeks, um, what I realized in the last three weeks of not being able to see most of you face to face is how much I miss you. Aw. Um, it's not, I'm a, I'm a traditional Korean male and we don't share our feelings. Um, but I must say, um, I really do miss you. Um, and I re- last three weeks, I realized how much I need you. Man, I feel like a cheesy Korean song. I miss you and I need you. And it, it, it is, I think that it, it, that's the right thing. I think um, God uses, God gives us the church, his people, to comfort us and to strengthen us and to, and to give us a sense of life as we meet together. Um, and that is what I've been realizing. That is what is being revealed to me in the last three weeks. Um, and that it's, it's, it's interesting because normally when we all gather, gather together on Sundays, it's not that I don't love you, but, you know, you don't, we don't really feel the missing of, 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 of each other. We don't really feel the missing of each other when we're so used to gathering together. So it is times like these when God uses to reveal how important we are to one another. And I share this, and I share this example this morning. Because the theme that God has been continually been showing me in the last three weeks is how he is a God of revelation. That God is a God who's not, he's not silent and dormant, and he's not not involved. In fact, to the people that he loves, he constantly reveals. And he's reminding this fact over and over again in my private worship when I, when I worship him privately and in my family worship, which, by the way, I'm doing a lot more of, thank the Lord. And it is in these, in the, wherever I go, and, and, and the, whenever I read the Bible and whenever I worship with my family, the fact that he reveals is the great truth that I'm realizing these days. God is a God of revelation. He's a God of revelation. He reveals himself to us. He also reveals ourselves to ourselves. He's a God of revelation. The great danger, I suppose, the great enemy, more destructive than the coronavirus, is a heart that is ignorant of God. The reason God sent Jesus Christ into the world is to bring light to us, and bringing light means revealing God to us. The reason God himself had to die is because through him we get to see God. The reason God himself died was testified to how dangerous, how tragic, how evil it is to not know who he is. To be in darkness means to be ignorant of God. To be in the light means knowing God. So God's great purpose in salvation 
is revelation, is revealing himself to those who do not naturally see him. The great revealing work of God is he reveals himself to sinners such like ourselves. I'm doing my private worship in Exodus these days. And one of the main themes of Exodus is how much God loves his people. And the way he shows how much he loves his people is through revelation. It is a nation of Israel. Nation of, God chose the nation of Israel among all the other nations to reveal his name, to reveal his character, to reveal his law. Israel is the most blessed of all nations in the Old Testament because it is through that nation that God reveals his name and his character. The great saving work of Jesus Christ, like I said before, is through him. God reveals his nature to us. Without Christ, we cannot see God. We cannot worship God. We cannot live for God. But Christ shines the light of God in our hearts and minds. And because he does, our hearts and minds are tilted towards who God is. And that's the definition of faith. I was, one of the benefits of working from home is I get to listen to a lot of podcasts and sermons and whatnot. And one of the sermons that I listened to this week, the preacher defined faith as a heart and mind that is leaning towards God. Before faith, he says, we were leaning against God. But now, we, for those of us who are saved, our lives, are, we are leaning towards him. That directional change happens because we get to see God and we know God is greater than anything else in the world. To a heart that realizes the goodness and the greatness of God, that heart leans towards God. So you see, the great love of God for his people is God revealing himself to us. But not only God reveals himself to, himself to us, by revealing himself to us, God also reveals ourselves to us. You see, all of us are blind to who we are. We are. But it is when Christ's presence becomes real to us, we start to see ourselves for who we really are. And that has been the common practice in the New Testament. Anytime someone has a personal encounter of, with Jesus, who they are begins to be revealed. It is that with Peter, when Peter was a fisherman, when he, Peter was catching fish, when Jesus appeared before him, Peter says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am an unworthy, sinful man. Before Jesus came before Peter, Peter had no idea how sinful he was. But when Jesus appeared right before Peter, he began to see who he really is. It is like that with a Samaritan woman on the well in John chapter 4. It is like that with a rich young ruler. It is even like that with the Pharisees. Pharisees wanted him dead because Christ revealed their sin and they couldn't stand it. The most natural thing that happens to us 
when we're before the presence of Jesus Christ is we see ourselves more clearly than we did before. He reveals ourselves to us. That is how you know that you are in the Lord. When He is constantly revealing things about you. When you, when you constantly see things of yourself that you've never seen before and repent of that and are healed from that, that's how you know that you're in the Lord. Because it is impossible not to see yourself in a clear light when you're in God's presence. When you are before the presence of Jesus Christ, you see yourself and you repent. And as you repent, you are healed. Repentance, brothers and sisters, is not shame. It's not pointing things out what is wrong with you and asking you to do better. That's not repentance. I've heard of church groups, and I think I was in one, where, you know, one time we just all gathered around in a circle and we started pointing each other what our sins were. Jay, you're too sarcastic, right? Imagine that, right? And then, then, and then you're too lustful. And we were, like, pointing each other, like, we were, like, out of brotherly love, we were pointing each other's sins and we felt horrible. But that's not really repentance. Repentance is not just, it's not just only pointing things out what is wrong with you. But it is revealing your nature. Not only, not only your nature is revealed, repentance also involves revealing why Christ had to die for you and also understanding that you are forgiven in Christ. That's the whole process of repentance. And the reason why I talk about repentance is, you know, another benefit of, you know, working from home is you get to watch a lot of Korean shows, right? God bless Korean shows. Very, you know, and one of the Korean shows I was watching this week, there was a the Korean, one of, like, there was a, one Korean actress who was talking about her life. And she was saying, right, that these days she just cries a lot. She just cries 30, 40 minutes a day. And the guy in the interviewer asked, why do you cry? What's the source of your tears? And she says, she's a Christian, by the way. She says, I cry because whenever I you know, hear a song or music or read, I look back upon the person that I was a few years ago. I look back, I cry because I look at myself, how I was three years ago, how I was so afraid of failure how, was, uh, how I was so afraid of disappointing people. How I was so afraid of people's criticism of me. And I did things and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I behaved in a certain way that is very unnatural because of this fear. I cried these days when, when I realized how I was. But then she said, I also cry not only because I realized who I was, I cry now because I know I don't have to live like that anymore. I cry now because I know that I've been set free, that my mind is more sane now. So I cry with gratitude. That's what repentance is. You look at yourself and you cry because of who you were. But you also cry because you have been set free. That's repentance. In Christ, repentance happens. Repentance is not an instrument of shame. 
repentance is an instrument of healing. When Jesus Christ reveals himself, reveals himself to us, reveals ourselves to us, and reveals the fact that we are sinners and yet forgiven, there is much healing that comes from that. The great benefit of my life is he constantly shows me of my shortcomings. Right? Especially my relationship with my wife. Right? Like, we have great marriage. And sometimes, like, you know, as married people know, you say insensitive things to one another. But every time I say something insensitive, God reveals what I have done. I feel like a jerk. And I apologize. And that has been the single most important aspect of my marriage. Brothers and sisters, side note, you need to marry a fellow believer. Because a fellow believer is a person that repents. And a person that repents and a person that forgives. If you're married to such a person, your marriage becomes strong. Such revelation can only happen when you are in the presence of Christ. Do you understand? He doesn't leave us be. He constantly showers with us with understanding of the nature of God, the nature of love, the nature of who we are, the nature of the fact that we're forgiven. He constantly, always, always, always shows these things to us. And that is why we're blessed. How does God reveal himself to us? He reveals himself to us for primarily through his word. God has spoken through the, in these words. These are not just ancient pages of, these are not just pages of ancient document, but we believe that God has spoken. God has spoken about himself and us through these words. And that is why it is the calling of our church to, most pro- to try to do our best to properly teach this word. I don't really understand pastors, to be honest with you, who tries to add things to his word. They're so afraid of their people not understanding God's word, they, they try to sugarcoat, they try to like, I don't know, they try to make this more palatable to the human taste. That's not the calling. Our calling is to try to teach this word as clearly as possible because God has revealed himself through these words. Brothers and sisters, you have the mind of God available to you. Did you know that? You have in your resources the mind and the thought process of God, and that is in your Bible. For a lot of us, we don't even have to carry this thing. We can carry our phones. God's God's mind is in our phones. Always ready to be accessed. He reveals himself through through his word. He also reveals himself through the church. Through the brothers and sisters in Christ. Through the elders and deacons of the church. I'm not saying I'm the Pope. I'm not saying whatever I say is the, it's God's will. That will make me crazy. 
but he has given us the body where we encourage, we, we study the word of God together, we pray for one another, and we do life to one another. And, it is, and he oftentimes reveals the direction of our lives through the body of Christ. He reveals himself to his, through his word. He reveals himself through, through his people. And he also reveals himself through our trials. Did you know that? One of the instruments that God uses to show us who we really are is trials. There's nothing like trials to destroy the self-illusion that we have of ourselves. Trials make everything plain as day. Trial reveals what we really believe. It is one thing to say that I believe in Jesus, when, during the calm and flourishing seasons of life. But whether you really believe in him or not, is he revealed in trials. Mark chapter 4, Jesus talks about the four different soils. And one of the soils that he talks about in, the allegory, in his allegory, is in, his, um, in his parable, is that he says, certain people right, are like seed the fallen rocky soil. The sea represents the word of God. The rocky soil represents the condition of the person's spirit. And he says, some people are like seed that fell on rocky soil, which means the word of God falls in their hearts. He says, when the word of God falls into their hearts, these people who are in rocky soils at first receive it with joy. When they hear the word of God, when they hear the gospel, they go, oh, yes, it's true. Yes, Jesus is, you know, Jesus rocked. And they receive it with joy. But Jesus says, but when, the, when persecution comes, when trials come because of the word, these people will fall away. These people, Jesus is saying, were under the illusion that they had genuine faith. But persecution and trials because of the word truly revealed what they really believe in. Trials and persecution reveals the genuineness of our faith. And that's what Peter also says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. He says, these trials, and by trials, Peter means Christians being persecuted in Rome. He says, these trials, these persecutions have come as to prove the genuineness of your faith. Peter is saying, God has allowed these persecutions to happen to us so that we will know whether our faith is genuine or not. Trials reveal what we really believe in. And I think one of the reasons why God allowed the coronavirus to happen in our lives one of the reasons why God has made us live in this time of this disease is to reveal in us what we really believe. I know coronavirus is destructive and it killed many people and it froze the, you know, it's freezing and disrupting our everyday lives. But to us, is a gift. Gift. Because it shows, God shows us 
what we really believe in before it's too late. So what are the things that the coronavirus, in the light of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, what are the things that the coronavirus reveals in us? The first thing that it reveals, God uses to reveal, God uses this virus to reveal things in us, is it reveals what we are genuinely seeking after. Jesus says the Gentiles focuses on what, about their health, about their bodies, about what they will eat, about what they will wear. The Gentiles are concerned only about the material realities of their lives. How they look, what they will eat, what the condition of their bodies are in this world. That's the Gentiles' obsession. This is what Peter, I'm sorry, Paul calls in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he calls the natural man. The natural man only concerns himself with what he will eat, what he will wear, what his body is. The natural man has no room for the things of God. The coronavirus has just suspended, put a huge pause button. It's a huge pause. It's like a huge pause button where everything that we, that we used to live for it suddenly stopped, right? Our work stopped, um, or at least going to the office stopped. You know, we can't go to places where we just freely went and freely, freely go, freely went. I guess that's the correct grammar. Unless you're, you know, Comic-Con person. You know, San Diego Comic-Con, 120,000 people went last week. Because unless you're like a Comic-Con nerd, Right? It, it, we, it stops what we want, like, all the activities that we normally did. And the reason why God has, and, and, the, and the suspension of these activities is a gift where God is asking us to look at our lives and look at whether we are Gentiles or w- whether we are living as Gentiles or whether we're living as the children of the kingdom of God. When you stop what you normally have done? Do you find your life has no meaning, has no purpose? When your normal routines have stopped, do you know, do you, are you like confused of what your life is supposed to be? If you are, and not only that, if you have lost your jobs or if you are having been threatened to lo- lose this job. I know it's scary, and, I, and I'm with you. But if you're like feeling that you're, you're going to die because you don't have this job, then maybe perhaps what that is revealing about you is that you are really more like the Gentile rather than those who are living for the kingdom of God. And I don't mean to diminish unemployment. I've been there. It's horrible, I know. And when my, if my boss tells me I'm fired next week, I'll, I'll freak out. I know I'm with you. I know I'm with you. But if you feel like that you're going to die without your job, that your life has no meaning because, of you, because you don't have a job, it's revealing that your mindset is more like that of a Gentile rather than a Christian. 
it reveals that you are seeking more of the same thing that the Gentiles seek after than what a Christian is supposed to seek after. What is the thing that a Christian is supposed to seek after? A Christian is supposed to seek after, Jesus says, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is the purpose. That is the pursuit of our lives. If you are a Christian, more so than pursuing after what you will wear, what you will, what you will eat, where you will live, you're supposed to pursue. The primary pursuit has to be his kingdom and his righteousness. Whether you are a CEO of a company, CFO of a company, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're an Uber driver, whether you're a pizza delivery, it doesn't matter. The Christian's call is not so much what we do or the vocation that we have, but the Christian's calling is to seek after God's kingdom and his righteousness. Are you a seeker of God's kingdom and his righteousness? What does it mean to be a seeker of God's kingdom? God's kingdom is a kingdom where Jesus Christ will reign forever. It is a kingdom where Christ will vanquish his enemies, sin and death and Satan, once and for all. And he will rule, he will reign eternally. His kingdom is also the kingdom where sinners are forgiven and made clean and become children of God. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not only a place that will, where Christ will reign eternally. The kingdom of God is a place where people, where sinners are forgiven and reconciled unto God, and they are part of that kingdom. Seeking after the kingdom of God, is the, it means this. It means you being used by God to proclaim the gospel so that more people would become part of the eternal kingdom of God. When Jesus says, seek after the kingdom of God, he is saying, be used by God to invite other people more to his kingdom through the preaching of the gospel. That is a priority of the Christian. Whether, Jesus, where, whether God puts you in a, in a high-level position or where God puts you in a lowly position, the, the context of our position doesn't matter as much as us being seeker of that kingdom, being used by God to herald the gospel so that more people through us would become, become part of that kingdom. Do you know that's your mission in life, Christian? to become the herald of the kingdom of God. One of my favorite preachers is Alistair Begg, and he has a hero. And his hero was this medical missionary. He was a doctor in the mission fields. He spent his entire life in the mission fields. At the end of his life, after he retired, he came back to the, he came, he came back to the U.S. He didn't have a home in his name, he didn't have a bank account. He had nothing. He lived out on a basement of one of his friend's homes until he died. When he died, he had two things. His worn-out Bible and a little notebook. The man put everything out in the field. He spent his entire life seeking after God's kingdom. So God can use him to deliver Christ to people 
who cannot, who do not, who are not, who, who was not able to listen, who were not able to know Christ until someone preached to them. Seeker of the kingdom of God, such a man. Christian, are you a seeker of his kingdom? Yes, sometimes it, it is inconvenient where we are. Unemployment is inconvenient. Uncertainty is inconvenient. I know it's inconvenient. Our status here in this world, I know sometimes it is inconvenient. Regardless of your inconvenient state, your inconvenient state doesn't change your mission, which is to proclaim the kingdom of God. Are you doing that? Jesus said, do not, not only seek, seek after God's kingdom, seek after God's righteousness. God's righteousness is in this world showing the right standard of God. The righteous standard is the right standard of God. Seeking after the righteousness of God means in this world, showing the people in this world the God's standard of love, justice, right, holiness, um, um, sacrifice is a good thing. That's what it means to be seeker after God's righteousness, to show the world how amazing God's standards are. Regardless of your condition, that's what you're called to be. Another benefit of watching Korean shows during break, not break, I work like long hours, but working from home, is that I heard this interview with this rap, Korean rapper named Sean, right? Um, he's, he's a 90s rapper, right, um, in Korea. And what he's known for now in Korea is he is, like, sponsoring a 1,000 kids a month, right? So through this uh, organization called Compassion International, he is sponsoring a 1,000 kids a month. He has a wife and four kids of his own, but he's, like, donating money to a thousand kids a month all over the world who are living in impoverished conditions. So one of his friends asked him, how do you do it? I know you're popular in the 90s for a little bit, but feeding these thousands of kids a month will cost you thousands of dollars, like tens of thousands of dollars. How do you do it? Do you have money? Do you have money saved up or something? And he says, no. Me and my wife, every month, in our bank accounts, we have zero. He says, literally every month, he has zero money in his bank account. Once again, he has wife and four kids. And he, but he says, somehow, at the end of each month, God provides. God, give me thousands of dollars. So whatever he gives, I just donate it to these kids. And his friend goes, are you crazy? You have four kids, man. You should educate them. You should save up for their college. You should, like, a 529 plan or something. You should save up for their money. Are you crazy? Why are you being so irresponsible? And he says, you know, Jesus says, seek after God's kingdom and his righteousness. And Jesus also promised that if, he, if, I, if we do it, if we live like that, he's going to provide for me. And he says, I figure that if I, it's clear that it's God's will for me to help those orphans, 
That's, cle- that's clearly God's will. And I believe if I do it, he's going to take care of my kids. He says, I can't offer my kids the top education. I can't offer my kids inheritance. I think God's going to take care of them. All I'm here to do is to do what God wants me to do, which is take care of those orphans. Such a man is a man who seeks after God's righteousness. He starts with zero in his bank account. There's no 401k for him. There's no six-month cushion for him. There's nothing. All he has is his mission, which is to feed those orphans for the rest of his days and letting God take care of the rest. Are you seeking after his righteousness? Are you seeking after his kingdom? Once again, the context of where God puts you That doesn't change the mission. He can put you in the times of plenty, and he can certainly put you in the times of poverty. Do you understand? Where he places you, that's up to him. What doesn't change is regardless of where he placed you, you fulfill his calling. Listen. I think we're spoiled. Every generation thinks, you know, the previous generation is spoiled. But I think we're really spoiled. Because we never had a major war in our lives. We never had a major calamity in our lives, right? Especially people in, in the U.S. But did you know, like, our, the way we live, relatively free existence, right, carefree existence, that's the rarity. The history of the world is full of times when the church was persecuted. Even now, the world is full of Christians being murdered for their faith. Times of trial are more common than the times of calm. We're living in Disney World. The rest of humanity, the rest of the history of humanity, lived in time of calamity. The reason why the coronavirus is freaking us out because we've never experienced such disruption in this world. What is the disruption that we have? Not being able to go to work? Not going to to see a movie? No, no. Compared to this, other people are suffering and dying every day. But the Christians who are being persecuted and suffering every day, they're still doing God's will. They're still pursuing God and His righteousness. The context doesn't change what we're called to do. The other day, so my work, my firm gave me a printer. Give all the attorneys printers to our homes, right? So we can print stuff off. So the firm never closes, right? It never closes. My gosh, it never closes, right? So you give us more stuff so that we can work more. So they gave us a printer. You know, it's a huge printer, and I don't know, I'm not a tech-savvy guy, so what do I do? I call our help desk, and I have one of the, uh, my help desk guys right, like, install the printer for me. And it took like an hour and 20 minutes for him to install my printer. 
But by God's grace, that guy was a Christian. How do I know? I said, hey, by the way, my church is doing live streaming, and sometimes we have issues. Can you help? And he says, guess what? I'm a Christian too. And we were like, and I said, oh my gosh, you're so encouraging. And I was encouraging him. He was encouraging me for an hour and 20 minutes. Two Christian guys were talking over the phone, encouraging one another. That's a small example of the mission being continued, regardless of the context. Seek after his kingdom and his righteousness, no matter where you are. Shortly, the second thing that the coronavirus reveals to us, it reveals whom we, who we really trust. Jesus in, in, John, in Matthew chapter 6 clearly shows that God is, the, God is the king of life. He gives examples of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. They neither toil nor spend, nor they work, and yet God feeds them. And, God, and Jesus is saying, Jesus is making this point, because look at the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. God provides for them, which just clearly shows that God is the king of life. He determines what life is. If we're overly freaked out about this virus, it is perhaps it is because we think that we are in control of our lives. We're forgetting that God is the king of our lives. When we will live, when we will die, and everything in between is in the providential hands of God. He is the king that controls our lives. People, like Pastor Williams said last week, people go to Walmart and buy reams and reams of toilet paper, right? Just, just to make a fort of toilet paper in their lives are doing that because they're trying to exercise control in a chaotic time, which is an illusion. None of it. None of it is in our control. It's in God's control, do you know? Even and, 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 and knowing that God is in control, it means more than thinking that, you know, at the end, everything will work out in this life. That may not be true. God is still in control, even if everything falls apart. Do you know this? Trusting in God means not just thinking that, you know, God's going to make everything okay eventually in this world. That's not what having faith in God means. Having faith in God means that even if everything falls, like everything gets destroyed in this world, we still believe that at, at, the, at the end of time, God, God, will, God is still in control and God will use all of it for His glory. Christians died in prison camps. Christians died in the mission fields. Christians get murdered all the time. They don't have happy endings in this world but they still die joyfully because they know that God is in still control. Corey Tamboom and her sister Betsy were two Jewish Christians who, who survived during World War II Nazi prison camp. They wrote this book called The Hiding Place. You should read it during this time of you know, furlough or whatever. And these two sisters wrote that book called The Hiding Place. Because the main point of that book is that even in concentration camp, even the most hellish condition of the earth in, 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 in the world, God was still in that prison camp with them. 
Betsy, the, her, like Corey Tambum's sister, she died in she died in the, she died in the prison camp. And her last words to her sister was, "Even if we're in the pits of hell, God's grace is still deeper than that." She says, it doesn't matter what the conditions I'm I'm living right now. God's grace and God's control is still deeper than the most hellish condition of the world. God is the king of life. Whether we see good days or bad days, that doesn't matter. He is still in control. The third thing that the coronavirus reveals is not only the fact that God is in control, but the God who controls is a God who loves us. Jesus asked his disciples, lilies of the field, look at the lilies of the field, look at the birds of the air, God provides for them. Are you not more valuable than they, Jesus asked us. The coronavirus reveals what we really feel, whether we really know that God loves us or not. Do you know that God really loves you? Of course I do, Pastor Jay. Are you nervous about your life? If you're nervous about your life, that shows maybe that you don't really know the love of God. It is one thing to say that God loves me when times are good. But for the Christian, God's love is made even more sure in bad times. Do you know God loves you? But the only way that you're convinced that God loves you is if you truly understand the gospel. Jesus is saying Gentiles Gentiles are afraid of losing things in this world because they don't know God loves them and they don't know that God loves them because they don't know the gospel. They don't know the one, one, they don't know the God who died for them so so that he can forgive their sins. And unless you truly grasp the gospel, the, word, the love of God will still remain just a nice theory. But if you truly believe in the gospel, the love of God will become a power that changes your life. Back to the Christian celebrity who, talks, who cried for 30 minutes a day. Right? She made art, right? She, 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 and, and her art was, the, was of the cross. And underneath her art of the cross, she writes, through one man's death, we are not just theoretically cleansed, but we are in reality eternally cleansed and forgiven. Through one man's costly death, we are eternally forgiven. I'm just a small person, she says. I am just a small person. And I want to spend my days telling people about his love. She gets the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just a theory to her. It is the power that changed her. The God who died for her, the God who died for us, he's the one in control. In these uncertain times, our only hope remains the God who died for us. 
the God who cleansed us, the God who washed us, the God who adopted us. He's the God in control. So regardless of what happens to us in this life, it'd be okay for us. Because the God who loves us will certainly give us the best. Whether it is in this life or in the kingdom to come, God will, God who died for us, who is in control of all things, will bless us. That's the hope. Do you know the gospel? If you do, the love of God will comfort you. If you don't know the gospel, you'll be afraid. If you're not personally persuaded by the gospel, you'll live in fear. But if you know the gospel, you can praise God in anything. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great theologian who also died in a Nazi prison camp. I'm talking about Nazis a lot today. Like he, was, he was executed. He was hung for his opposition to the Nazi party. What the prison guards remember about Bonhoeffer was how much he praised God in prison and how much he counseled the fellow guards and fellow inmates. So the prison guard was leading Bonhoeffer to his death when he was going to be hung. And Barnhofer was praising God. And the prison guard asked Barnhofer, how can you praise God the moment before you're hanging? He says to the prison guard, to you, it may seem that this is the end of my life. But to me, this day is the beginning of paradise. Bonhoeffer knew the paradise was awaiting him because Bonhoeffer knew the gospel. What can the coronavirus take the love of God away from you? Can the coronavirus take the paradise of God away from you? No. His love is eternal, you know. So whether you're, whether you're, in home, whether you're, you know, wherever you are, whether you have a job or not. Condition doesn't matter. What matters is the mission. What also most matters is the kingdom of God that we're going to inherit because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is trying to reveal these things to you in such time. Pray that he will reveal it to you clearly. Let us pray. Father, everything's a gift for those whom you love. Even the tragedy and trials are gifts that you use to reveal yourself to us. Perhaps we feel uneasy in such times. Because we simply don't see you. And when we don't see you, Lord, and when we don't see you, we're like the Gentiles where all we see is what is happening before us. 
Give us deeper, wider eyes, dear God. First of all, give all of us the true sense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May the understanding of the gospel deepen our understanding of your love for us. May the understanding of the gospel deepen our understanding of the fact that you are in control of all things. And may the deepening understanding of the gospel make us know, remind us over again, that we are meant for an eternal kingdom. May the gospel also remind us, Lord, that our calling in this world, no matter what our context is, context is, context is our calling in this world is to be seeker after your kingdom and your righteousness. May that be the motive in which we live our lives. May we not so much tie ourselves to where we live, what we eat, where we go, what we do for a living. But may we define ourselves, Lord, in the mission of the kingdom, in the mission of your righteousness. No matter where we are this week, do not leave us in ignorance. May the Bible be read. May prayers happen. May family worship happen. May the revelation of God happen in our, play, in our, in, in our, in our homes so that we will be confident in you in times of uncertainty. All these things. In Jesus' name we pray.